podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, my name is James and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we celebrate Tommy T's 30th birthday and talk about Team Radio Podcast 2. joined by my friends and yours and the birthday boy himself tommy t happy birthday to you mate thanks mate thanks guys and campy of course as well hello there friend hello gentlemen how are we very well, tommy very t is alive <laughs> oh. which is unusual i made it <laughs> i did <laughs> Uh, yes, I overwhelmed Tommy T as best as I could through every Lakeside well. Drive um, asset that I had and with lots of text messages from myself, which he probably <laughs> hasn't read yet, which is probably good. Definitely not. I will. <laughs> at some point, and hopefully they bring you Left joy. unread at least. Yes. yes. Did, you you do any, did you do anything, mate? Did you attend yeah, a protest? Yeah, I had a massive bash. <laughs> I went and bashed in the goal line. <laughs> No, had your mate. own AFL party or NRL party, maybe. Very, very low-key with the people in my household. <laughs> very good. As only you can do right now. But that kind of suits me to a T because I'm a very low-key guy. Yeah, you're not so, wrong. You lockdown kind of suits me well for my birthday. Can we well, do it every time? Welcome to the 30 Club. Definitely not. That's uh, – <laughs> look, at, because we were supposed to be uh, Singapore this weekend and it would have been – We were going to go. It would have been your birthday weekend at Singapore, <sighs> which would have been fantastic. That would have been loose. Yeah. <laughs> been <a laughs> interesting time. 2022, watch out. Uh, but, hey, a big thank you to you for joining us. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or Twitch, uh, and thank you for listening to this podcast, of course, as well, if it is one o'clock in the morning, your time as we live stream this. I know there's a couple of people that that's the case for. A uh, big shout out to our Discord server as well. Thank you for being there as always. Uh, and a massive thank you to you too if you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Honestly, we've had about uh, 60 people in the last week and a half jump onto YouTube. So we're chasing down that 1,000 subscriber number very, very quickly now. Uh, and same for Instagram, we're almost at 600 people there. So a massive thank you to you if you follow us on any of those socials. As I've said many times, we are chasing the algorithm. It makes a big difference to us, uh, especially to get this podcast in front of people who don't know about it yet. All right, lads. Well, this is almost an ask me anything, but a team <laughs> radio podcast. Uh, and we should probably get into the questions, shouldn't we? Campy, a first question goes to you. It's from Trent. He says, a Campy-related question. Tell us a bit about your music prowess. What styles and genres are you into? What bands or artists should be listening to if we're enjoying songs in the key of Campy? <laughs> oh, just what I love, talking about myself some more. <laughs> just, just love it. Um, tunes. Uh, look, I'm a 90s kid at heart. Uh, Seattle Grunge is probably the go-to. Uh, big Oasis man. Uh, sort of anything that sort of came out post-2005 for me is pretty average on the radio. Uh, Wolfpack, they're incredible. That's some of the Oof. newer stuff out. Uh, I'm just thinking, what have I got? I've got my record player and my records over there. Frampton Comes Alive is on top. Uh, excellent. Yeah, I'm a guitar man. I'm a four four man, really. That's what I'm into. So four four man. <laughs> yep, love it. Just solid, nothing special. Yeah, just get me in the feels. So yeah, I've got. What do I run? I 
my base. I run a five-string Stingray is my workhorse that I use to gig, and uh, I've got a few P bases that I use to record with. Yeah. Got an Ampeg SVT classic head. I've got a fridge and a quad box, four tens as well. So, yeah, that's about the music prowess, really. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very good music prowess, Campy. Yeah. We do love your stuff. That I is, do. Yeah, I'm right into it. So I might chuck a link somewhere on Discord to a few tunes, and we should do some for James's too because it's on Spotify and all iTunes and all that sort of thing. But James got some music too, which is good. It's it's certainly it's, some it, music. That's true. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll chuck some links on if you really want to. Yeah. Go down that singing. track. But, yeah, uh, it's good fun. It's just a good hobby. So, Tommy T, what do you listen to? Mate, what don't I listen to other than campy stuff? <laughs> 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 Joking. Oh, very good. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit of everything. So at work, obviously, while we're roasting coffee, there's always music on. So we kind of challenge ourselves to have a daily theme sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it can be like, okay, we're doing movie scores today. The next we have we've had some weird ones. We're like food related song titles, and that was a very <laughs> interesting one. But because we're listening to songs all day, we don't yep. listen to the radio or anything. So it's it's always just um, Spotify. So whatever we can do to mix it up. But hip hop. Bit of rock. I really listen to everything, to be honest. Like, there's not much I don't listen to. It's um, always a good vibe coming into the roastery, man, because you just don't know what you're, you're like. Get. What's on today? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's yeah. Uh, it is a big vibe. Uh, I'm yes. with Campy on Wolfpack, though. I'll default go to Wolf, Corey Wong, Cody Fry, Ooh. that kind of funky, jazzy, poppy kind of vibe. Big Jamie Cullum fan. And my favourite band since forever has been The Darkness. I've been to every <laughs> gig they've been out right to Australia. There. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'm not going to shy away from it, though. That's uh, It's a big vibe for me. Uh, all right. Well, Mason asks the next question. Trent, thanks to, you, to your to you for that question. Mason asks, do they make some kind of mic pop feel to the blocks grunting and snorting? Uh, I guess you would have found that by now if they did for Campy. Scoured the world. <laughs> Campy's actually bought some gear. He bought it weeks ago. Ago, it still hasn't arrived, which is bizarre. Oz Post, uh, Australia's doing the shit at the moment, isn't it? What a <laughs> yep. bloody nightmare. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so we are, we do have some on the way, which will hopefully value add some <laughs> some editing uh, time for me, which is good. Oh, uh, here's a great not question. That bad, bloody hell. It's pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tommy T, you can lead us with this one. This is a question from Mel. She asks. Other than Daniel Ricardo, which driver would you invite to dinner? She means picnic, of course, not oh, dinner. Oh, yeah, obviously a, picnic, a COVID picnic at the moment is all yeah. we're allowed to do with someone from one other household, I think it is. I can't keep up with how many different restrictions it is. That you've got to daily. be standing on one leg, to be honest, while yeah. you're having that picnic. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> um, or other than Daniel, who would I invite? Mm. I think I reckon Sebastian would be interesting. Mm. Off the grid for me, I don't think people would have picked that, but I would love to ask him about all the kind of inner workings at Red Bull at the time, his view on how Daniel was coming up because he was obviously yeah. somewhat intimidated by him mm. uh, and then his moves to Ferrari and then I think he's a very interesting guy, Seb. And forget that he's the third most successful driver with wins. Like Who? He's – yeah, <laughs> we're exactly. very quick to put him in the bin as a four hundred yeah. one community, aren't very, we? Very, very quick to forget that he has is a third all time with wins. So he's got a lot of stories. I'm sure he'd be a very interesting picnic. Campy, yes. who do you pick? Uh probably Alonso. 
Mm. Um, you've, you've both taken both of my answers. Oh, Suck, really? it. <laughs> Suck it. Suck it. This is what you get for setting us up. Yeah, you're not yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, you set us up with this whole podcast, Jim. So. <laughs> All right, why Alonzo? <laughs> now I have to talk about myself. Um, <laughs> oh, I think Alonzo came in, you know, at – you know, after the Senna era and, and the Prosts and all that, but he came in when Schumacher was at his peak. And then, you know, three years in, he went to Renault and, and knocked him off the pedestal. And uh, I just think that uh, 05 and 06, those two years, he was just, oh, that Renault was incredible. So I think I think the story of the tale of those two years um, would just be super interesting to get his perspective on. Mm. You know, he came from that old school era where it was really mm. at the peak of uh, driver and machine without a lot of the computer technologies that we see today. And, you know, he's moved from the, the peak of that era and, and he's seen it all, the progression through this new hybrid era and the driving styles. And, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to get his opinion on. Uh, he obviously loves the sport and he wouldn't mm. be here if he didn't, but just how much the sport has changed just from a driving driving style and to where it's heading and where he sees it in the next 20 years. So, Yeah, mm. that's a good vibe. I would probably have Kimi over because I reckon without cameras and kind of behind closed doors, he'd be a completely different beast. And he'd I be thought you were going to say he'd be it. completely just as boring as he used to the TV. <laughs> <laughs> no, by all accounts. He'd just have a nap. By all accounts, like even Seb, like big fan of Kimmy behind closed doors. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's, he's got that dry sense of humour that I think would just, yeah, make me laugh a hell of a lot. Well, there you go. And that's his, a pretty good answer. His like five best mates that he famously got onto the yacht at after, after his <laughs> engine blew up in Monaco. They're the same five best mates that he mm-hmm. bought. His, like his entourage has been with him from the start. It's never really yeah. changed. Um, and they all work for him now as well, I think. And I think one of them uh, manages his old – used to manage the old uh, Ice One uh, MXGP uh, motorcycle team they had as well. So Yeah, there you go. Just I think it would be lads on tour and for- – OG. Just funding everything. <laughs> OG lads on tour. Uh, thank you, Mel, for your question. Harry from Sydney asks uh, a pretty good question. I think we we did a podcast on this last year, but our teams may have changed. If we you guys could, could set again. up your own F1 team, who would you hire as team principal, drivers, and who would be the engine supplier? The catch is you can only choose one from each grid on the team, i.e. <laughs> if you choose Red Bull driver, you can't have a Honda engine. Love it. I'm ready to go. All right, go on then, Tommy, Tommy T. Can you hear it? I'm going to go with Andreas. Mm. Yep. I'm going to go Max and Carlos, and I'm going to go with the Merck engine. Ooh. Yeah, that's – Beat uh, me. Beat me. Yeah, okay. All right. Andreas, I think, is he's, he's one of the most underrated team principals. He has righted that ship, which was very quickly sinking mm-hmm. when Alonso was talking about an, F, an F2 engine um, or whatever he said at the time. Uh, that has turned around very quickly with Zach, obviously, as well. Um, I think Carlos is very underrated as a driver and just hasn't had the opportunity in the right machinery yet. He's showing a little bit of that in his first half of a season. We all know that I love Maximus Verstappen. He's bloody ridiculously good. And I think he's going to walk away with the championship now. And that Merck engine is pretty undeniable, you would have to say right now. Um, oh, yeah. Ferrari's no competition. The Renault is useless. Renault. <laughs> the Honda's really good. But I, I really still think that Merck engine is a thing of beauty and has propelled them to however many championships it since it came yeah. into existence. All right. Yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. 
It's actually a very uh, solid team and it's very annoying. Campy. Does it have Who to do be like modern era? Uh, I reckon let's keep it in. We're setting up our own F1 team now. So, you know, yeah. from, the, choose, from the current parts on the grid. You could choose some F2 drivers too uh, if you wanted. Look, I oh, cheats. Would, would have gone straight to Flavio, if I'm honest. <laughs> Briatori. Okay. <laughs> you, you, ne- you know, all these guys work in F1 because they're a bit dodgy, but they're a bit out there. And uh, the ex Force India guy, I can't remember his name, you know, there's, you need a little bit of that mongrel and that little bit of element of, oh, I'm going to bend the rules to suit ourselves here to get things done. So, currently on the grid, I'm not sure who that would probably be. Uh, I'm going to go Gunther. I just like him. <laughs> My just, man. I, I'm yeah. a pe- when I make decisions, I'm a people person. I'm not necessarily yep. about your intelligence or where you come from or what you're sure. doing. It's like you invest in personal relationships, right? And if you can get the personal yep. relationships there, um, I think that over time trumps any of the significant, you know, importance that you have outside of that. So I'd go Gunther. I just think he's a good guy. Engine supplier, I'd, you can't not say Merck. They're just too good. Um, but if we're going back, I'd probably go the Renault from that 2005 to sort of mm-hmm. 2014 era. No surprises. Uh, driver. Whoa. It's a tough one. I'd go Kimmy. I'd have to go Kimmy. Yeah. Because I think. In that era, like uh, even this current era, he drove exceptionally well. I, I think he got shafted by Ferrari when he was driving with Seb. Uh, he was definitely the number two driver and a lot of mm. things went Seb's way. But, yeah, I mean, Kimmy can get it done in all the right places. He's, he's the last Ferrari F1 World Championship mm-hmm. champion uh, championship winner. I just like the guy too. Can you imagine Gunther uh, and himself mm. together? So, Mercedes, who's, who's your second driver? Second driver. You can't choose anyone that's – we've got a Mercedes engine currently. Yeah, I can't choose Danny Rick, can I? No, you can't. Uh, that's why geez. I nailed this. Jeez, you know what the problem is? You think I've ragged on every on, driver on the grid. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no one left. Let's go someone young, so let's go oh, – jeez, that kills me too. You're doing well. Uh, Italian Jesus. Okay. <laughs> hey. Okay. Uh, I would have Toto, Oscar, Daniel, Honda. Question. You're a cheat. You're a cheat. No, I'm not. Why? <laughs> because, why? Well, Oscar's best, like that writes itself. So best why team Toto? principal, for sure. Had, in terms of writing the ship in terms of planning everything, he's the OG of that. I, yeah. I agree, Andreas. I probably would have said Andreas, except you took him. So Toto was my second option. Yeah. Oscar Diak is, hello, um, and Honda Power Unit because I just, you know, they've come leaps and bounds, haven't they, from their McLaren times, especially with that uh, in the back of the Red Bull. I How mean, do you think Toto would go with building that relationship with Honda? He'd be so angry with them, like flip-flopping in and out. He'd just rage. I reckon he'd be fine. He's, as you, you say, he's the, guy, he's the guy of relationships, right? He knows how to get things done. He just, uh, he luckily, he owns a current engine manufacturing department. If it was any different, then yeah. he'd just act differently, I reckon. Uh, yeah. Good question, Harry. Thanks for that. That was really, really good. Uh, all right. Dan from Brizzy asks, if Lakeside Drive went full Bernie <laughs> and bought F1, what changes would we make to the sport? Regulations, cars, tracks, weekend structure, fan engagement, etc. 
Campy, I was going to start with you, but you look uh, you look scared at the thought of okay, oh, all of so those things. So many options here. So oh, I know, ready. which is I, I reckon you're ready to go, Campy. Come on, just give us the first thought in your mind. What are we What are we doing? Uh, I'd go like a single chassis for the whole grid, a bit like F2 and F3, mm-hmm. different engines, uh, single chassis, be a big one. Uh, minimum two stop, three stop, depending on the races. Mm-hmm. Uh, no reverse grid, keep it like keep keep it how it is, like weekend wise. I think they run it exceptionally well. I'd go back to ninety minute sessions on Friday, just for more fan activity. Oh, there's so much you could do, isn't there? You kick China out of the, um, you get rid of the crap <laughs> races. So China, I mean, Russia was really good last weekend. So uh, other than that, it's been pretty boring few years. Uh, concentrate probably on more European tracks and more tracks in the States. I think what they're doing that as well. Uh, no, none of this cost cutting. I'm not into that. What we want, I'll just say, if, you, if you're conserving tyres and you're not driving properly, so there should be like a – you should be able to put someone in the bin, right? You should be able to give them a time penalty for saving tyres and – Breaking and coasting 200 metres into if a corner. they go below a certain delta, <laughs> you're saying. They Are we changing the word penalty, penalty to in a the bin? lap speed. There's no yeah. more penalties. There's only in, in, versions of in the bin. You're either half in the yeah. bin or totally in the bin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd want to see more engine failures too. You know, a lot of that stuff, so. Just well, no, but it get, wouldn't be boring. That's well, for sure. Get your that engines. Tame for Campy, to be honest. No, but get your engines right, and then you can run them at a percentage. So, like, run mm. them at one hundred and fifteen percent of what. That's not how percentages your, work, pal. <laughs> well, it does work. <laughs> All right, birthday boy, just settle down over there. It's like we have Sorry, these Campy. qualifying modes that they can only run the engine in for three or four laps at a time, otherwise yep. it burns it out. So, yeah. Yep. Get these modes where you can run the engine at 107, 109% of their operating, you know, operating realms. So then you've got that added bonus of, hey, we actually need to push your engines to the absolute max to get the most out of the car as well. Love that. Tommy T, what do you think? I think smaller cars. Mm-hmm. I think the cars are getting so yeah. massive that it, the cars are too big. The tracks are the right size. I think it's the cars that have just got way too big. So if you could regulate like an actual width and length, it must be within. I reckon that would do Do you something. have an era that you're thinking of car size-wise? Oh, I think probably like 90s-ish. I think as soon as you get okay. to the 2000s, they got pretty large. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you just – you just go back to whatever was fitting to those tracks, to be honest. Yep. I think the length is the biggest thing at the moment. They're so damn long. Uh, you'd also bring back real engines, Campy. Yes. Bring no. back V8s, V10s, V12s, whatever you want to do. If you want to come up with the 16 and a half bloody cylinder, whatever, go for it. Put it in the back. Let's see how fast it goes. Yeah, I want why, why are we telling people how much power they can produce? If you can produce more, you've got more money to do it without adding weight. That was the whole point of F1 back in the day was you could see V8s competing with V12s and doing a good job because it's about how you use that power, how the weight's distributed, all those kind of things. It brings back so much more jeopardy. And the last thing would be more street races. Well, I think street circuits throw up a heap because the grip 
difference. I think it's really exciting to watch cars go through like Baku, those kind of races where you're seeing city streets, you're seeing buildings, you're seeing different obstacles and the spectacle of the fans watching from balconies and all those kind of things. I know the logistical nightmare of shutting down a city is tough, but this is one of the most expensive sports to kind of go and do in the world. So why the hell are we worried about shutting down a damn city? Yep. Let's shut it down for three weeks or whatever it takes to set up, pack up and then run the, the weekend. Let's do it. Let's do it in more places. Like imagine like the outskirts of London or like through Brooklyn or something would be incredible. Like I don't think that would ever happen because that would be crazy. But why are we not trying to do more city kind of interesting things? It, it's it's real, really a shame I think that we don't have more of those because it would just engage the fans so much more. When you're in Melbourne and you can hear those cars, well, back in the day, you can hear those cars from – 25 kilometers around Albert Park. It was insane. Yep. Yep. yep good point. Do, uh, we the lose, own- do we lose the halo too? No, nah, keep it for nah, sure. Keeping people alive, that's a dumb one. Yeah, there's there's been so many examples of the halo actually working in the last <laughs> two years. That's a weird stance, Campy. No, we need more deaths. Classic Campy. <laughs> <laughs> I so, lost my F1 with a bit sorry, of Campy. Back in the day. Are we holding you up from going to that protest at the War Memorial? Um, <laughs> The uh, the oh, other yeah. the only oh, other thing that no, I would no, do no no, no the only no, other no. thing that I would do is from a fan engagement point of view have a single world feed which is not does not have British commentators so I would get rid of you know you can have see Sky F one whatever else but I wouldn't have exclusive contracts for like Fox Sports ESPN whatever worldwide it would be you have the world feed exactly like MotoGP that you have brilliant commentators who doesn't matter what nationality they are so long as they're really straight down the middle and enjoy themselves uh, on on the microphone. That would be the only thing, but otherwise I think that's all good. Um, I didn't mind the car size of like the 2008-2009 era just as a, to throw that in there. Uh, thanks, Dan, from Brizzy. That's a great question. Uh, John, George. Sorry, John oh, Paul's go. got one related to that on the chat. Yes, go. What do you think of a full reverse grid for the sprint race and sprint championship separate to the main championship? Like a second championship. So I think that's like, so you have a sprint race every weekend and it's reverse grid from qualifying. So first starts last, et cetera. And then you have a separate championship inside the main championship just for that sprint race. But I don't think anyone would ever care about it enough because the real championship is still the real championship. Do you know what I mean? I think you'd find cars like the Williams holding other cars up again because they'd be towards the back in yeah. the flip side. And we've seen George do that. Whilst it's a good idea, I think we've mm. got Formula 2 for that. Like if you want to watch great yeah. championship in that respect, do that. Because yeah. you're right, like no one cares enough about sprint races as it is at the moment. Sprint races only work when you've got three or four cars up the front that are so much faster than everybody else. And we've yeah. definitely seen a drop off from that, particularly this year and more so in the second half of this mm. year. Whereas it would have been a really good idea two or three years ago when, you know, Merck could storm through the field in 20 laps yeah. and possibly get wins and fight for stuff like that. But I think if you could follow closer in a car, it'd be better. Because like, that's the issue. You can't get close enough. The problem is it's track dependent too. You get to yeah. a place like Monaco and it's, you know, just be there's a procession. No yeah, there's a procession yeah. the whole way around. So, yeah, I don't. I think it's a good idea. It might be a good idea, but I just can't see it working. Mm. George from Sydney asks, knowing that Netflix were with McLaren at Monza, how do you think they will play the relationship slash rivalry? 
Both are big draw cards, and one will have to be the bad guy between Landon Norris and Danny Rick. Tommy T, what do you think for Netflix? If I'm putting my Netflix hat on and using that brain, they have seen nothing but love for Daniel Ricciardo in America and with that audience. I think he will be painted as the good guy mm-hmm. coming into a new team and Lando's being the standoffish one, not kind of welcoming him to the team and being a kind of bratty little kid is how they'll paint it, is my is my oh, guess. Yeah, well, I, I think that's kind of lo- – if I was a producer at Netflix, that's what I would have done. Yeah, Because I well, think that's the best, most engaging way to tell that story. Daniel Ricciardo has become this massive personality in the US now, like thanks to Dax Shepard and, you know, Smartless Podcast, you've got like Will Arnett and Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes who are all fangirling over him now as well. So you that is due to Netflix. That's thanks yep. to Netflix. And I think Drive to Survive, the first season's success, was a lot of a part to – also a lot of a thanks to him, to his part yeah. in being the hero character that they ended up lifting up. So – yeah, sure. for for that, absolutely, uh, Lando will be the bad guy. But also because a lot of the time he has been. Let's not forget that, you know, he's been pretty petulant with how he's dealt with the media and everything else. He has got a lot better, though, Campy. There was a video that F1 did out of Sochi, which was both of them interviewing each other, and the relationship is actually very amicable now and you can see they're having a bit of banter so i think now that the win has come and gone and they're moving on a little bit that potentially you know lando's realizing you know the danny rick that you said that we all know was, was coming is has arrived yeah. it'll be interesting how they talk about danny rick's first half of the season and how poor it will be i think that will dictate the story of monza um, yeah, yeah, I think that'll have more of an indication on. But we've seen in the past they haven't talked about other drivers, you know. So they might not have talked about McLaren all year and then got the Monza and skated over it for five minutes and gone in the direction they want. But yeah, look, I don't love their storytelling because they just don't get the facts right. Sometimes I remember back mm. to the the Carlos Daniel episode. From hmm. uh, Spain in season two, and it was yeah. just, uh, from Barcelona. It was like that's not how this race went down at all. Yeah, mm. you, you know, you left out massive chunks of it. Yeah, it played out in the story, like for their story, but it was just completely yeah. factually horseshit. Classic, <laughs> classic Netflix, right? A lot like most media these days. <laughs> A lot like this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's, look, a, a great question, George. I think we kind of know the answer to that. And, you know, the the win for, for Daniel, I'm almost glad actually, sidebar, that they were there for that because it was just a, it's oh. an additional amount of content that he's going to have this absolute hero moment, isn't he, uh, sure. in this whole series, which is going to be really great. All right, Aaron from Sydney, settle the debate. Who's the most Danny Rick biased of the three of us? Tommy T, who do you think? Uh- I don't think it's me. I think it's probably James, to be honest. Yeah, I'll go with James. I'd go with me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's that not really much of a debate, quick. Aaron. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for no debate. <laughs> good guy. DR, good guy. Um, and I, we'll go. We'll fight whenever I inevitably get up somewhere through Formula One. We'll fight for his valour somewhere. Or, or, yes. or, I don't know. Did you kick him out of your fantasy team yet? Oh, yeah, he's been out for that whole year. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, very good. Uh, yes, thank you, Aaron. Nick from Melbourne. 
Who is your favorite driver pairing, both on and off track? We're allowed to have different answers for each. Campy, who's your favorite pe- driver pairing on track? And then who's who's your favorite off track? Oh, I'm, oh it's so tough. Uh, probably Lewis and Valtteri. Mm-hmm. Uh, on track. Off track, it's probably got to be... Oh. There's, there's, <laughs> too, tough, many, there's too many drivers that I like, and then yeah. like Alonso, and then we got We got Kimmy, and then it's like Italian Jesus, dud. We got Gasly and Sonoda, both duds. And then I'm like George Russell, squid, uh, <laughs> with the favorite Canadian. Yeah, it's a real tough one. So it'd probably have to be Ferrari, it'd probably have to be Carlos. That was my thought, too. Carlos. Yeah. Carlos. And, uh, Charlie yeah, boy. No, Charles. He's just a good guy, Carlos. Everyone likes him. I think yeah. that's going to be my off track for sure as well. I think that's a, a really interesting one. Yeah. Going on, on track. tough. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, th- <laughs> I, th- I think you're right. Mercedes has to be has Can to be, be destroyed there. in the YouTube live chat, I think, at the same time. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Tommy T. Um, they're not bad on track either, to be honest, the Ferrari boys. I think if they had a. <laughs> I'm just saying, too. Oh, now I want to know. No, keep going. <laughs> keep going with your boring answer. We're obviously distracted. <laughs> it's not good enough. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I've got nothing. Here you go. On track for me, Williams, because uh, as much as GR is a little annoying, the fact when it looked like Nick was able to have a better result than him, he told the team very blatantly and honestly, whatever I need to do to support Nicky getting up into the points, yeah. let me know. And it, that yeah. was the most selfless, I think, driver act I've seen yeah. this season. Um, but I actually think off the grid, yeah, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? But Max and and Sergio have had some really good filming opportunities in the Red Bull fold. Red Bull Um, do well with that stuff. And also, so do Yuki and and Gasly, to be honest, as much as Yuki sucks on track, he's (laughs) quite funny. (laughs) He's quite funny on, on socials. Um, which what is about interesting. on track Alonso and Ocon? I think they've got an interesting dynamic. I nah. think he's getting. <laughs> no. Nah. That was a pretty selfless act. Ocon's French, so it's just. <laughs> it's one half immediately in the bin. Seal air. No coming back. No coming back. All right. Tell me what's on YouTube. Here's the follow up question from James Allen. Uh, thanks, James, or not really for this. Kiss, marry, kill with George, Albon, and Norris. <laughs> Kiss, marry, Tommy. kill. Kiss, who Mary, was kill. George? George, Albon, and Norris. Who are we, who have we got? George, Albon, and Norris. Mm-hmm. I'd marry. I'd marry Albon for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a Norris. What was it? Kiss, also, Mary he just and seems kill? like the sort of dude that would do all the chores for you too. Let's adjust the questions <laughs> to be slightly more appropriate and say, "Kiss, marry, remove from Formula One and all motorsports together." <laughs> and kill. That's pretty full on. Not sure I'd want to kill any I of think, them, but go on. I think I'd have a smooch with Lando, and I'd say bye bye to George. Okay. What do you reckon, Campy? Definitely kill George. (laughs) (laughs) He hasn't walked it back. Yeah, but I'd kill (laughs) Run full steam ahead. What's the surprise? For the the sake of the rivalry, I'll kill Norris. So (laughs) get rid of that, dud. And then what are you doing with George? I'll give him a kiss. (laughs) (laughs) Take that out of context, please, James, and make that a drop. You can't Ugh. pay for this kind of content, honestly. Ugh. James Allen, go to the top of the YouTube live chat. Well done. Uh, that's very funny. 
All right, James, uh, your turn. I would, uh, yeah, I would marry Albon for sure. Yeah, kiss oh, George and bye-bye Lando for the same reasons that Campy has just said because <laughs> you can't fight with common sense, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, oh, good. Very good. That made me laugh a lot. Thank you, James. Uh, all right. Andrew from Newcastle asks, why do you think that Oscar Piastri is not being talked about as a future F1 driver in the same way some others on the F2 grid are t- being talked about? Schwartzman, uh, Joe, Porcher, etc. Does he face being a Nick DeVere's style driver if he wins the championship this year? Campy, what do you think? Oh, it's a very good point. Uh, I think I think he's correct. He's one of those guys that just goes under the radar, right? Um, I mean, he's a cool, calm and collected off track. He's not he, – he reminds me a bit of Max personality-wise. He's mm-hmm. uh, uh, just the way he handles himself on camera. Why do I think? I think he's stuck. F1's got a problem this year because um, because we've had this second year, or extra year of the turbo hybrid era without the change this year. Yeah. The teams are actually giving drivers that extra year because they're all hanging out for the change of regulations, um, which, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think if we had have had those new regs this year, we would have had a few more drivers leave but it will probably happen at the end of next year. So I think that's probably why. I mean, the grid's locked up. I mean, we've seen a couple of changes, but no one's coming in other than Albon, but he's already in the system. Yes. Uh, and it looks like, I mean, that's that's really it. Who else Who else is there? So mm. that is the reason Oscar's not being talked about. And if he goes on to win this championship and then he sits on the sidelines next year, it could be, you know, that, I mean, look what happened to Stoffel Van Dorn when he did that. Out of the car for a year with McLaren, came in, big signing, and nothing happened for the kid. I don't think that'll happen with Oscar. I think once he gets his chance, he'll get there. But, yeah, I just, yeah. I mean, we've got so much young talent, and we've spoken about this before. You know, by giving all these young guys a go so early, like your Strolls and your Verstappens, you missed. All of these guys in Jolie and Palmer's, Palmer's era, like five or six years of worthy race-winning, yeah. championship-winning drivers never got their chance because F1 decided to go, yep. oh, we're not, we're not going, we're not, you know, we're not going 22, 23 proven. We're going to go back to that 18, 19. And, I, yeah, I, I think the sport suffered a bit too, so. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I mean, really, what's what's the best hope for him? I mean, we've spoken about him potentially just binning it for the next couple of races to stay in that F2 championship. But realistically, yeah. we've said this as well on the podcast, Campy, you know, Renault uh, will Alpi need to, to pick their game up and be offering him some decent time in free practice in a Formula 1 car and being that reserve driver. But seeing what Grosjean's gone and done in IndyCar this year, Actually makes a lot of sense to me that, uh, mm. you know, IndyCar will be looking at a lot of these junior open wheelers outside of the States. I mean, they're always going to have like that pedigree of American races coming up mm. through the American program stepping in. But, you know, they'll be looking at some of these young kids and saying, well, what can we do with them? Maybe we're not going to give them a full season, but maybe we'll just get them to drive on the actual racetracks and not the ovals, a bit like Grosjean's done this year. And he's had some cracking results and he's got a top drive for next year just – 
You know, Which is so great. And he's been performing really well. And his comments about the sport too, it's, you know, it's, hey, we get in, are they as quick? No. Do they have the downforce strapped on around the corners? No. But you drive the wheels off these things mm. as, you know, it's it's like going back to the old school racing that we talk about of F1 in the era that we like, in the era that we like. You know, flat out for as long as the race is, as hard as you possibly can, and uh, you can get you can get away with moves in IndyCar that you don't get away with in F1. Um, which I mean, the Yanks do they do motorsport really well over there. So I, you know, I think it could be an option to go and do a couple of races over there just to keep that open wheeler experience. Yeah, that's a great answer, mate. Well done. Uh, thank you, Andrew, for for your question, Jacob from Florida. Any American junior drivers that have a real chance of making F1 with Miami being added and Drive to Survive increasing in popularity in the States, whoever gets signed would surely bring big sponsor money with them too. Tommy T, who do you think could be someone? The only real kind of prospect is Logan Sargent that I've kind of seen and I don't think he's that likely to be honest. No. I I think the, the junior driver program coming through the States is so focused on NASCAR and Indy, if anything, but it's so heavily on NASCAR. If you're driving anything there, it is NASCAR. Um, I think that's just a product of F1 not having a real presence there until now. I think it will change and I hope that it will because that's way more interesting. We'll get some characters. We'll get some big American bravado and things like that. But we haven't seen anyone for a while now really – uh, show anything even close towards an F1 kind of uh, pedigree. Really? Yeah, what, what like, do you think, Campy? Oh, well, we had, in your memory? We had, what's his name, a few years ago. Is it Alex mm, Rossi? Um, you know, and he came in on the back of before the year before Haas and he got a couple of races. I think he got three or four. And the Haas was, you know, Gene Haas, the American team. Why wouldn't they have an American driver? And for whatever reason, they didn't go with him. Um, do I think we'll see Americans? Yeah, we will. Andretti's the other one that raced in F1 yeah. for a bit. But that never really trans like transpired. I just think F1 as a product is so European-based and the feeder systems and the young talent, like just the way the sport's set up. I mean, you've got your, Euro- you've got your F4 championships, yeah. you know, regionals, and then you've got a European and you can start yeah. racing those things at, you know, 13, 14 and 15 if you've got the money to do so. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's where F1 takes 99% or 100% of the drivers. You have to get to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do they look outside of that? I don't think they look outside of the European feeder system. Would it work? I mean, you could you could get a crossover, but I just can't see F1 teams mm. doing it when the trajectory and the, the path is so clearly defined. Well, there's only really one driver at the moment who races in that series that's even got some kind of close shot at coming across, and that's Pato Ward because he's part of the McLaren fold. Yeah. yeah. And that's not likely considering, you know, the talent that's coming up underneath, you know, the likes of Lando and especially F2, F3, if there's anyone in that McLaren you know, space, they're going to be wanting someone younger. They've already had your DR. Are they going to take a punt? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think uh, the bet with Zach was that he could have a free practice one session if he won an event with Indy. Uh, so <laughs> who knows in that space? And it would be interesting to see, obviously, that transition coming from IndyCar to Formula One. We know uh, Grosjean spoke on the uh, Beyond the Grid F1 podcast earlier this year about what it was like going the other direction, uh, yeah. less downforce, more power, and you know, like being more focused and sort of less margin for error. So I think... 
you're just going to struggle to have someone coming across from that side. And as you said, Tommy T, Logan Sargent, as great as he was against Piastri last year, I mean, Piastri blitzed him, and here yeah. he is in Piastri in F2 blitzing everyone else in the field, yeah. people who have been in F2 for a long time, including um, yeah. Joe. So really, it's not Sargent, likely. Uh, Sargent hasn't had the same year that he had last year either. No, it's been terrible. Yeah. Not so, good for him. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. I think, you know, I, I think for guys like Grosjean who have been in F1, uh, I think IndyCar's the better prospect because anyone can win those things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They're still the yep. dominant teams and the dominant manufacturers. But, you know, they race so often and you're like, you can, it's easy to break into that market and get your chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I've i watched it a hell of a lot more this year because of Grosjean. Yes. And I'm really, I'm really getting into it. I think, I think it's, it's I think great. It's an excellent. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's the second best cal- uh, racing formula in the world when it comes to single-seaters. So, Goodness. Um, yeah, yeah, but who wants to – I mean, F1's the pinnacle and the dream. Why do you want to give up on your dream to go to a go to an indie car? I just can't see it happening. Yeah, so, I mean, that'll be – you know, that's the thing for Oscar, isn't it? This is a great follow-up question from Nick. What about having the reserve drivers mandated to run at least one race in each car in the team per season? Tommy T, what do you think about that? I don't hate it. I think it's pretty interesting. It makes you actually think about who your reserve driver is. Yeah. Also, it stop this sharing reserve driver stuff, which yeah. I know is for logistic reasons, so that you don't have ten drivers there all the time just twiddling their thumbs. But or I think it's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. You keep the one reserve driver, and Nico Hulkenberg <laughs> gets a drive in seven different cars across the Mercedes powered <laughs> grid. <laughs> yes, just seven consecutive races, and that's and he how ends he up does beating it. someone else on championship points. Somehow, <laughs> yeah. I, look, I don't, I don't like mandating things. Yeah, there you go. Um, no, I don't like <laughs> mandates. I mean, if you get Topical. a drive, if you get to race in F one, like <sighs> you've you've earned your spot, you got there. I don't. I think we should see more teams give drivers chances in FP one. I just think they should. Just yeah. do that more open, or even have a, even have a practice session at six weekends a year, an extra practice session for their junior drivers, so mm. that you know these kids are getting chances to drive. Uh, I don't think racing or qualifying they should mandatory get it. Although if you've got a team like if you've got a team like say Alpha uh, Romeo, yeah, I mean why? Like, why wouldn't you spare Italian Jesus? Well, you know what you're going to get from him for the rest of the year, right? They'll yeah. score some points. They can't beat. Um, they can't beat Williams in the championship. So why not give mm. a guy a drive? You know, in a couple of races to test them out, see where they're at. But then again, it's I mean, there's contracts involved, and it just gets pretty technical. Giving up your race seat. Do we want to see Kimi not race? He missed two already. It gets it gets difficult. No mandates, but I mean. Give some. We need kids getting in cars more often than what they are. Aaron from Sydney asks, "How much better do you think Alpine would look and their future would look if Cyril was still there?" Candy, yeah, better. Yeah, I really rated Cyril. I thought he was an excellent team principal. Um, he took over that organisation when you know they started back into F one, and I mean he wanted to be 
his, he came out and said, we want to win world championships and be fighting for world championships in the five years. That didn't eventuate. But I think them getting Daniel Ricciardo and him talking about the trajectory they were on, I mean, they got to win this year. It's not how they wanted to win, but they still got the win. They got the podiums last year that they were talking about. I think they got four in the end or, th- or three. I can't remember. Um, you know, I just think, I think they had that trajectory and he was in the right spot. At the end of the day, Renault and the organisers, I mean, you can't put it all on Cyril for not for on-track performance. Um, I mean, I think he's a great head of an organisation. But it's interesting. I mean, we've we've heard uh, Mr Italiano talk about the culture within Renault and it wasn't a winning culture. Um, and they were almost scared of DR sometimes, you know, some of the team members because they just didn't know how to approach him. Um, that's that 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 that's that's another big one too. So I don't think that's all, Cyril. But I think they would have been in a better place than they are. Tommy, I'm taking the opposite. I I don't know if I thought Cyril was the best for that. He was a very emotional guy, which does happen with some uh, race directors we've seen. <laughs> these uh these race bosses. Yeah. But I think I think the cooler head of someone like uh, Marcin, he's been really good whenever he's been engaging with the Sky team. I think mm-hmm. he's a really good kind of on the ground kind of leader, somewhat like an Andreas, but very kind of cool head. And I think that's what they kind of needed. They needed to just kind of grow up a little bit and demand more rather than just kind of like will and passionate, which is somewhat what Cyril's way of doing things was. The other thing is they've, they've brought in – a lot of like technical kind of people as well recently um, as well. So I still think it's a bit too quick to judge this new regime. I think, I think you will see that this will net way, way better results than kind of Cyril just running the course with the team and the, the structures that he had. I think it's just a bit of a little bit backwards to go well forwards. There was no year. denying at the beginning of this year, though, that they were an absolute mess. They, you know, oh, yeah. there's no one team principle. Oh, we're going to have this different structure where, you know, everyone's in charge of something and it was all very yeah. confusing and no one really knew who, from the media, no one knew who to talk to about. Yeah. So are you in charge boss, or are you yeah. in charge? <laughs> like who do we have to have a go at here? So I think they got that together as well and, uh, yeah, I think well, you're right. just the guy's just come off a MotoGP World Championship with the most underfunded, shittest organization in the world in being Suzuki when it comes to motorsport. I mean, mm-hmm. to, to, to have that on your resume, I mean, I, I think the guy's got he's made of the right stuff, and I, I think that'll totally come across to uh, what Alpine or Renault are trying to do. So, Renault. Yeah, good question, Aaron. Thank you for that. Freya from Tassie slash Cayman Islands, our favourite tax consultant, uh, and apparently allegedly she does rather, more taxes. I'll tell you what, kill and, the job. And author of the best review ever. Allegedly, there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Freya. What do you think is the best way to experience a GP if you are there? I'm going to go and try. So I'm going to try and go to the Miami 2022 race but haven't had the chance to get to a GP yet, except working in Hospo in Melbourne can confirm packing catering boxes is not the answer to this question. <laughs> well, I can confirm that Campy experiencing the Porsche hospitality unit was probably the way to do it. Campy, what do you think? Yeah, just hey, make sure you go with people. Don't go by yourself. Get a group. It's always better in a group. Make sure there's plenty of, you know, we're responsibly, but heaps of beer flowing. That's always good. <laughs> Uh, oh, look, I mean, that side of it's great too, but, you know, being on the side of the track up on the hill around, what is it, 
13 or 14. Uh, that's incredible too. Heaps mm. of people around and gets pretty, you know, not rowdy, but it gets pretty boisterous and that's what you want to see and that stuff's good too. Just soak up everything they've got to offer. Um, yep. As an event, the Melbourne Grand Prix is, you know, as an event, it's one of the best three in the world because of everything that else is happening. You've got a great city and there's always stuff happening in the city, which is super accessible as too. So just make the most of the weekend, you know. Don't just, I mean, some people just come for the tracks, but just hey, get a group of friends and make a weekend of it. And, yep. Tommy T, what do you think? My recommendation would be to scope out during practices like really good vantage points and see where you can get some really good angles. Like James and I did a bit of that at the last Grand Prix we got to go to and we found some really good spots to watch the cars moving through. You got to see a lot of different stuff and then just post yourself up there during the race or during a qualifying session for – 10, 15, 20 laps and then move on and then go go to your other spot and just really get lots of different angles and see yeah. the speed the cars are carrying because that's the one thing that TV doesn't show. They look like yeah. they're not even moving on TV half the time. Like and when you I get think- to see how fast these cars are moving past you on a straight. So the exits of corners and the late braking and things. So I'm, I'm remembering what was that section, James, towards the end. It's probably like, what, 14, 15, 16, after the long straight along Lakeside Drive. Good plug for oh, good yeah. podcast, <laughs> the podcast actually. that everyone's watching well, already. At the end of Lakeside Drive when they go that, through yeah. that. Yeah. But that was a ripper to see Valtteri Bottas that year, annihilating everyone else through that section to come uh, so 9, late 10. on the brakes. And, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was that was the spot, wasn't it? And then yeah. posting up, like can be said on the hill, finding other sections to find spots where moves might be done as well. So if you can find those kind of spots early through practice and qualifying, and, and just set yourself up and try and find them during the race. Yeah, I mean, turn turn three is awesome too. Coming off that, uh, coming off the straight where Alonso had his crash uh, three mm. into the oh, yeah. Those views are incredible. Even like five and six. Uh, you know, that back end of the Melbourne GP circuit, uh, if you can sneak into a spot where you're not, like you're looking on an angle and you're not looking through the mesh of the of the bollards and the barriers, particularly where the TV guys and the, the stewards sit, there's always a little spot where you can get just clear viewing and, like, the speeds are just phenomenal. Oh. Check out the whole track and go for a couple of days. You don't have to stay in the same place the whole time. Yeah. Make sure you're going... Yeah, and find the good ones. Jess, I think that answers your question as well. She's asking for the Melbourne GP specifically, help with tickets, grandstands, general admission, et cetera, first-time attendee, and I'm overwhelmed. I think the answer for it to surmise what the boys are saying is grandstands can be good, but they do cost a lot of money. Often the general admission, especially around Melbourne, means that you can walk around the whole circuit, and there will be times where you get good ability to see certain parts of the track as you walk clockwise or anti-clockwise around the track because it's very accessible. They have floating mm. pontoon across the middle of the lake so you can walk straight across the middle uh, to go to that 9, 10, 11 section, which is very cool. Yeah. Um, but Freya, I think for to answer your question about Miami, I mean, we obviously don't know what the track layout's going to be like for there, but certainly if you're willing to spend money to get into the pits, fantastic, but Do not it. everyone has six to ten grand to drop <laughs> on a ticket unless it's corporate hospitality. So I think that the vibe should be you go with your friends, you try and make a great time of it, take some people who don't know the sport as well, try and educate them um, or – potentially, uh, depending on what we do next year, try and get involved with us close to the circuit because after being in Melbourne a couple of times, whilst it's good there, I've also then left the circuit to go to the closest pub to watch the television coverage where the beer was cheaper and the coverage was better. 
because yeah. you just get overwhelmed sometimes just walking mm. around the place. So yeah, yeah. And that is the hardest thing about Grand Prix. We're so used to watching every like minute details and what we follow during races. Yeah, that you, you just don't get that experience <clears throat> at the track. No. Um, I mean, yeah. do it, for me. I've done it three or four times. Watch the race at the track, and it's incredible and it's a great vibe. But when push comes to shove, Friday's the best you get. You know, you get three hours of on-track running. Yep. Um, you get to see everything that you're going to see during a qualifying and a race. Not, the atmosphere is not as great. But then go and watch it at a pub because then you can really yeah. watch it how you want to watch it but still be involved too. Ben from Tassie asks, Tommy T, have you got any coffee bean recommendations? My brew of choice <laughs> these days is either a very milky cappuccino with a double shot, usually with a Merlot private blend or Forza when I want something strong. Well, Tassie coffee I would, roasters. I would just recommend going local. So there's a, there's a few in. I I think this is one time when um, Lonnie's actually got Hobart pipped. I Ooh. think there's better coffee in Lonnie. Oh, uh, there's a couple. There's Ritual. There's Crop Lines, and there's Providence that come to mind doing really good stuff. Um, but there's also like really good coffee down in Hobart too. I think the best thing would be find local and go talk to them about your coffee needs. Because uh, they will have the best recommendations. The, the people there will know exactly what they're talking about. Walk them through how you like to brew it, what you like to taste, and they'll they'll give you the best recommendations. Um, but then most most co- most coffee roasters in Australia will ship as well, so you can always go. Here comes the plug for his own. Right, and you can definitely go buy some coffee from a coffee roaster. Nah. <laughs> and a coffee roaster. Nah, if you want to buy the coffee that I roast, you can jump onto comfortcoffee.com.au and. There is a lot of coffee in there, so there's too much coffee, control. too much choice. All the graphics coffee. also designed by you too, so you get the roasted coffee, and the label is also designed by you. And the gifts. You've, you've got three shops now, don't you, Tommy? We do. We've got Frankston, we've got Mornington, we've got South Yarra. So if you're in in and around Victoria, and they're in your 15k's at the moment, <laughs> you, might you can be go able and to see Tommy them. T for a live autograph on a coffee bean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get a real small autograph, mate. Uh, all right, this is a great question. Uh, Kelly from Brisbane. I know the drivers cop this one a lot, but do you guys have any pre-race race viewing rituals, especially preparing for the late races? Campy? Uh, national Anthem's always a good one. That's um, just your ritual is just tuning in that what, in, I turning it up to 100. I watched the MotoGP this morning. I think it started at 6 a.m. <laughs> you did. Turned on about quarter to six, got the Star Spangled Banner at quarter to six. First thing on a Monday, I thought, geez, it's going to be a ripper day. It turned out to be a dud. But, um, <laughs> uh, no, not really. Just, I mean, these days it's just Discord. Um, and then trying to stay active on Discord throughout the race is interesting at times because I just prefer to sit there and watch it, not yep. talk to people and be angry, but... <laughs> angry and grumpy in my own little room by, my, you know, by myself. But, uh, yeah, not really. No pre-race rituals. Tommy T? No, nothing for me. And, like, full disclosure, like, yeah, I'm struggling to get on the Discord because I just find it so overwhelming. Yeah. It's awesome. But, yeah, sometimes I'm just like, I'm not watching the race. I'm just reading the Discord. Yeah. So I yeah. need to find a way to balance it, I think. Um, I think I'm and, the, and the host's representative when it comes to Discord. I've, You're doing a great job. I've but to be honest, to the Discord's both. got a life of its own, which it is does. incredible that it, yep. we've found a community that is just so engaged and doesn't even need us to exist. It's like when the machine gets sentient, is going to just take over and kill us all. 
<laughs> I think it's worth talking about that though, because genuinely, and also can I just say uh, thank you for making it a welcome environment for everyone. It doesn't matter yes. what gender, what anything you are, because that's a big thing for F1 is it's just a lot of, you know, look at the three of us. We're white, middle-class, white guys, you know, bloody or young guys, I should say, watching and talking about Formula One. So for Not everyone so to be able to get in there, we're in hey. their 30s. Uh, our target demographic is just going to grow older with us, I think. <laughs> it uh, is. But genuinely, thank you for that because I've seen other Discord servers and I've jumped into the Formula One ones and I've been in there for maybe three or four minutes and gone, nah, this is just very toxic and not okay. Mm. So uh, it is very much a self-driven thing. We've only got one other moderator and he's the uh, MotoGP host on the other podcast. So uh, to have, you know, the 200-odd people that we've got in here, it's great. Um, and I think you're yeah. right. And that's the same for me is just log on get myself set up. I'll have a couple of different screens running to either tweet or talk to different people. I have a WhatsApp group as well as the message group with you two and then the Discord as well. It's, um, yeah, it's interesting, but it's good. It's a good way to do. I do feel like I miss a lot of the action sometimes though when I'm too busy trying to find a stat or something to write some notes for, for a podcast, but that's just what it is, I suppose. Uh, cool. All right, Jacob. Uh, Kelly, thanks for that question. Jacob asks, can we get a deep dive into these new regulations for the wheel gun buttons that they've introduced mid-season? Who needs to get put in the bin for these? I think the answer is yes, we can, and yes, we will. Not on this podcast, but Campy is going to go off and do some research, aren't you, Campy, and figure yeah, out what's I've, going on? I've done a bit. Look, it's just they're trying to make it safer for the people. The problem is, is we're not having people get injured in the pits, so why would you change the procedures Except anyway? if Lewis Hamilton's coming in I too. Mean, right? <laughs> as we've... <laughs> We jump at shadows in F1 these days. We're so safety conscious. I mean, yeah, just ranting. I just think it's dumb. It's just dumb. But then again, it adds another element to the pit stops that these guys have got to get right and they should get right. They get it right most of the time. It's just unfortunately for us, it was Danny Rick. Had a man land, I'll be like, ah, awesome. Just, <laughs> you know, more of a laugh. But, um, yeah, we can look at it. We can – I can – yeah, we'll talk about that yeah. in a podcast. We'll talk about we, it on uh, your pre-drinks Can we just podcast. quickly acknowledge Campy's other favourite uh, saying at the moment, which is jump at shadows. <laughs> Big fan <laughs> yes, of it. Yes, I can. He's dropping it in frequently and I'm, I, I'm here for you're it. You're right. I actually hadn't realised, but now that I He had a podcast it. and I forgot to mention it at the time. He had three different jumping at shadows references. <laughs> I was going to yell at him, but then I just missed the moment. Well, but welcome to I the moment. Campy. Welcome to Big the next fan. moment. Big fan. Love that. Uh <laughs> Willie from Wagga asks, having just caught up on the F3 feature race, what are your thoughts on doing, what's he doing, prospect for next year in F2? And what do you think of Trident trying to manage their drivers through that last race? My view is they need to shut up and let them just go at it, just remind them to make sure that they get a podium. What do you think, Campy? Uh, I didn't watch it, so I can't comment. I know Tommy didn't watch it either. So no. I don't look. It's F three. They shouldn't be managing drivers and managing teams. The championship nah. was over at that point, so just let them race. Yeah, yeah, uh, Mick. Uh, he'll go up. He'll go up to F two. Uh, love to get him in that. Pram Mick, seat. will he? Will Mick? He, he's that old. He's sorry, gone all the full sorry. circle and started again. Jack, <laughs> get Jack. out. I mean, it's fantastic. Well done on winning so many MotoGP work, championships, son. Jack. Daddy, you'll take this from here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'd be good to get him in that Premac seat. I think yep. that's probably the number one seat on the grid. Uh, yep. 
He's got some cash behind him too, so I don't think they're worrying about that. He's a Red Bull junior driver, so. Yeah. Uh, but again, we saw him last year not performing in whatever team he was in. I can't remember. It was a dud team. Dud it was car. a dud team, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this year in the Trident, he's been good. So, you know, yeah. if he, but he may get into that Pramac in F2 and go, oh, this sucks. But uh, I think we've got to change the chassis next year in line with the new rigs yep. as yep. well for F2 and F3. So that, that just changes the whole dynamic of how you yeah. drive these cars. So, inter- yeah, he'll be right. He'll be in F2. Uh, hopefully, you know, he goes on and does what Oscar's done this year. Morgan asks, you guys are obviously car guys, obviously. Would love to hear a rundown of your personal cars. Any projects on the go, daily drivers, etc. <laughs> Tommy start. Tommy starting. I, I'm not as embarrassed about my car as you should be, Camby. Yours is disgraceful. Go on, Tommy. What have you got? What do you what's your daily driver? I have a Volkswagen Polo. Oh, and is it, it a GTI? Is- Negative. Oh. It is. It is the uh, the comfort line though. So it's got a turbo. Ooh. You can both shut up. Oh, one point. One point six speed manual. Two. One point two. One point two turbo. Six yeah. speed. I okay. look. I have been driven around in that thing, and it can it's carry a lot of random junk your whole yep, life it's got, in one car. Uh, it's pretty much a delivery van. The way I use it, isn't it? It's always occupied box. with stuff. <laughs> nah, it's good fun. It it goes really well and. It's it's not the end. There will be some stuff added to it eventually, I hope. Campy? Uh, currently, oh, look, I've driven, I've just got Navara at the moment uh, just for work. Yeah. Uh, a bit of a shame. I've just purchased a Merc uh, M series off my old man, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> that's 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 the car to drive Suits the, the girlfriend around on the weekend. But, so that was a bit Classic a, peninsula a vehicle. But, girlfriend? Oh, fiance, Who? whatever she's called. She's awesome. <laughs> um, no, I've, I was just, I was telling the boys, Voy, and I've just purchased a troop carrier. So got the ride off from the account, and he's like, yep, go and do your thing. So, uh, <laughs> thanks, Freya. Wait, I could be waiting a fair while for it to arrive. So that's, that'll oh. be a little project for me. So that'll be my work car, and probably, look, I'm, yeah, it'll be my hunting and shooting and, Camping car and fly fishing and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, first nice plates. I'm gonna go. <laughs> nah. Come no, on, in, in the bin. I think I'm gonna get. I think I'm gonna like go the white roof and the uh, the mustard yellow like an old defender. Oh, yeah. So not that sandy top. I'm gonna go full just dirty as. Yep. And uh, as Tommy said, I can wear my Aaron Williams jumpers around while I'm doing. <laughs> oh, that'll be the combo, won't it? That's all we all, all we, what we all want. We always look like what's that little roaster that works for you? Those little groms. <laughs> the tip rat. Oh, the tip rat. Tristan. Yeah, yeah, with his he's got a sixty series that's a hunk of junk. Yeah, man. <laughs> yes, it is. He'll hate to hear that. No, well, he's like, it's got no rust. It's cleaner. Nah, nah, mate. Come it on. is. Believe it's it or not, my clean first of not car, having rust. My first car was an eighty series uh, Land Cruiser, and it was the best thing ever. But I was driving two hours to work to and from every day, and I couldn't afford to fuel the things. I had to sell it. You know, it was the, Dumbest decision I've ever made, I think. You're so. not going to get a new 300 series with a turbo camby? That's not you? Nope. They're <laughs> not doing them with V8s anymore. How do you feel about that? Well, th- that's why I got the trophy because it's still going to have the V8 <laughs> in it. It's all good. But, yeah, it's a bit like that will be a project. The same. Look, Australia's got the biggest market in the world for uh, aftermarket full drive and camping accessories. So yep. there's – look, you can certainly – look, what I do with 90% of my spare time is uh, look at what I can do to my, like, troopies and 79s. 
online. It just it just becomes. I mean, guys are spending three hundred grand to get these things fully specced up. It is unbelievable. But I'm happy to do that before we move into the electrification of cars. I think this will be the. You know, I'll be that dude that's still driving a V8 when everyone's electrified, and I'm gonna have the stacks <laughs> up the top, blow smoke over everyone, and classic. You know, do my thing for the, the coal burning industry. So, uh, <laughs> You're a well, at least I can do that, James, and not have to tell it, you know, extreme lawn, extreme Elon, you know, if <laughs> I, don't I, don't have, know. I don't have to tow the line, man. Yeah, you I'm, do. Nah, not at all. So I enjoy do you, it. Do you believe in the. That's no, all right. We won't go there. That's yeah. all right, mate. Just sorry, I just I, I just lost the trans. I think the transmission. Uh, maybe the warm rules is getting in the way of your um, broadcast. Uh, I look. I had a '93 uh, Toyota Celica SX that I Oy. was going to do up because that car was just drove fantastic. I sold it yesterday. Just no time. You didn't. Yeah, it's Did gone. You? Oh. So because Let's keep it for a paddock car or something. Oh, you live in Sydney. When I moved to Canberra, there'll be more paddocks around. Uh, yeah, I've had way too many cars, and I go through cars like it's going out of fashion. I'll probably get an 86 next, uh, like an older one, like a first-gen 86, just to upgrade Oof. for the Sleeker SX that I had. I won't really do a lot of it, a lot to it, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not really that way inclined in terms of doing stuff projects-wise, but I know I obviously love watching like Mighty Car Mods and those guys who do that kind of stuff. So mm. um, I could if I wanted to, but I just suck at that kind of side of it. That's definitely Campy's bag. He's he's all over that uh, in a mm. good way. There's a good follow-up question, uh, and this will be the last one. If you have written to a, a question to us, don't worry. We will answer them on the next episode. Uh, but a final question from Craig. Dream car. What would you drive? Any car in the world, what would it be? Tommy T, give me your answer, please. Oh, it's a tough one because there's so many different applications. But if I'm going with the dream car growing up, it was probably like a Chevy Cheville, like Ooh. late sixties. Like, Ooh. yeah, love that. Yeah. Talk to me. Let's yeah, do it. that's that's incredible. Actually, I can just vis- I'm visualizing that now, and oh, I'm yeah. very happy with that picture. To oh, be yes. honest. Also with the music thing, that would tie in quite nicely. Campy, what would you get? Uh, 53 Chev pickup, like the big oh. you know, big circular bonnet ones. Uh, that is the dream. I will definitely, one day in my life, I'll purchase one of those and probably rat rod it up and get the whole. I want to pick Campy for a Cadillac guy. Just a nah, big Cadillac. Nah. I like big trucks. I just think big, big boss hog like horns on the front of it. <laughs> yes. With RM Williams bloody mud no, flaps well, on yeah. the back. I'll stick a <laughs> stick a deer on the front of it after I've shot one and drawn through Melbourne song I'm all Isn't that what kids do these days? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Uh, I would I look I'd go brand new because I love this car the McLaren Speedtail I can't stop looking at it Zach Brown mentioned that was the car that he dailies at the moment and I was like oh what's that maybe a year ago looking into him like oh that is a throwback to like the old school looking supercars and it's just a massive vibe so that's probably what I would have the DBS too for me like the DBS in that uh, Bond film that that is the most beautiful looking car of all time, I think. Yeah, Aston did a lot to the way oh. cars looked coming through oh, that DB7, yeah. didn't they? They changed the corner. That's for sure. All right. Well, look, thank you to you for asking your questions. 
Uh, Keith, and coming in, you can jump to our Discord server. There is a team radio podcast section there where you can ask your questions for us. As I said, if you've asked one, it's in my list. We just haven't got around to answering it yet. Uh, but here is uh, the wrong answers only <laughs> section of the show. What did Tommy T get for his birthday? Wrong answers only. Brad ready, says, I haven't looked yet. A big tin of Blend 43 for inspiration. <laughs> Mel said, Tickets to the 2021 Oz Grand Prix. Bloody wish. Uh, your mum said, A massive surprise party with thousands of friends and family. <laughs> mum, what are you doing? Ethan said many things. Here, here we go. A warning to shave his sideburns, jumper leads, pocket lint, a firm handshake from him, <laughs> one of the baby peregrine falcons from 367 Collins Street, Melbourne, and Blend 43. <laughs> Ashley says, A bin. Andrew says, Campy's beanie. Lachlan says, George Russell's first points merchandise. <laughs> Harry says, his long hair back. Wallace says, a mandarin, bottle of Gordon's, Cocoa Pops and a single V60 filter. I got that this morning on him. <laughs> <laughs> and Jed says, a hairline. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Kick him Sad. out. Down, eh? Savage. Uh, it's T. back probably. Tommy T, your 30th birthday. Happy birthday to you, mate. Uh, look, Thanks, thank guys. you so much to you for watching. Uh, as we've said, please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel. Uh, it makes a big difference, the algorithm. We are getting so close to 1,000 subs. It's been uh, awesome to see that growth recently. Jump on the Discord, I've said, and our Instagram, and you'll find us this weekend because the Turkish Grand Prix is coming up. We can potentially expect some interesting things from Daniel Ricciardo. What do you reckon, yeah. Campy? What do we think of DR for this weekend? Yeah, he's on for the win. On for the win there. Uh, McLaren's in the game now. Yes, they Every are. Every weekend, they're, you know, they're the third best grid on the car. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, he's uh, on. No, they're in with a shot. So, uh, yeah, DR for me. What do you reckon, Tommy T? Yeah, I reckon he's on for a podium. Yeah, my man. I think McLaren are here and they've got some mongrel about them that they're not going to shrug off anytime soon. Well, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, pre-drinks podcast will be at 10.30 Australian Eastern Daylight Time now uh, on yeah. Sunday morning and our race review exactly the same time, 5.30 Australian Eastern Daylight Time on next Monday. Lads, a massive thank you to you. Thank you to you for watching and we'll see you very, very soon. Did I wear this shirt last week? Mm, did I? Hang on. I don't think you did. I think you wore the other one. Let did me I just wear my grey one or my blue one? Or I think you wore your grey one. Hang on. You were just wearing a black T-shirt last time, Campy. Nice. I can't um, believe you checked that. Mate, well, he asked the question. I'm, I'm a good you, guy. You're such you a professional. You are my man. You are guys. wearing a black angling, t-shirt at my wedding. Angling for a yeah, I was gonna say angling for an invite to the Bucks party. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, we're going to Vegas, Jim. Sports Social Podcast Network.